Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. He is alive. He is risen. And it changes everything, church. Happy Easter. Welcome to Easter at Evangel Church. We're so glad that you're with us. And uh, my name is Pastor Chris, and we are just excited for all that God has in store today. Today is the greatest day that we get to celebrate in human history. It's a day that changes everything, and we're so glad that you chose to spend it with us here at Evangel. And we pray that if you don't normally come to church or that uh, you're not normally finding yourself in church on a Sunday morning or have a church home, we'd love for you to consider Evangel Church uh, a church home for yourself and for your family. We pray you feel a warm welcome and that you have a life-changing experience with Jesus today, just as they did on that first Easter. I want to start out today... Uh, the message with a question. And the question is, what's Easter all about? And in a room this size, some of you may have grown up like I did because I grew up with that question in my mind. And as I got older, I was always trying to figure out what's Easter all about. Because whenever I was a young child, Easter was all about a rabbit. Easter was all about a rabbit that I would go and take pictures with at stores And then he would sneak into my house at some point in time. And somehow this rabbit had the ability to lay eggs or find eggs or collect eggs. And I would end up with a basket. So it was about a rabbit in a basket. And the basket was full of goodies and full of treats and full of candy. And I want to tell you that on my early Easter Sundays, that was the only reason I had to be excited. Was because there was a rabbit and there was a basket. For some people, Easter is all about a rabbit. For other people, Easter's all about a rabbi. Easter's all about this guy named Jesus. And yes, he was a good teacher. He was a good man. He said a lot of great things. He taught us how to love others. But that's about it. I mean, it's it's you could take him or leave him. Um, He's significant. He's significant enough that he gets a holiday on Easter. And so Easter is all about a rabbi. And there are many people in the world that believe Jesus was nothing more than a great teacher who did and said great things. But that's it, and it has no bearing on their life today. So for some people, Easter's about a rabbit, and for others, it's about a rabbi. But I want to tell you, there's some other people. There's some other people, many of them are here this morning, I believe, that Easter isn't about a rabbit, and Easter's not about a rabbi. Easter is about a resurrection that took place when the Son of God (laughs) overcame sin and overcame death. He died on a cross, and on the third day, he rose again. You know why? Because the grave couldn't hold him, and death couldn't defeat him. Do you know why they say he was buried in a borrowed tomb? Because he only needed it for three days. You go to that tomb, he ain't alive. He isn't there anymore. He's alive now. He's risen. Who else's grave could you go to today? And he's not there. He's alive. Today, the resurrection changes everything. On that first Easter Sunday, when they showed up at the tomb of Jesus, and he wasn't just their rabbi and their teacher, he was their resurrected Lord and Savior, it changed them. We have been walking through a series of messages leading up to Easter, and it was called Come and See. And the invitation was this, it was about people that brought other people to see Jesus. And there are many encounters that you'll read about in the Bible, where Jesus healed someone. 
and they brought people to see him. Where he taught and where he did amazing things and where they brought others to see him. Three days ago, on Good Friday, he was hung on a criminal's cross and people came to see him dying. A sinner's death, a criminal's death. But they had no idea that the one they were looking at by that death, had the power to change their lives and change human history. Because on the third day, the tomb was empty. And when they came that day, they didn't see a dead teacher, a dead rabbi in the ground. They saw a risen Lord. And when they came and saw Jesus on that Easter Sunday, it changed everything about their lives. This morning, this Easter Sunday, I want to introduce you to three people in the Bible that we meet. And there are three people that come and see the risen Jesus. And here's what I want you to know today. You don't see the risen Jesus and leave the same. It changes everything. A lot has changed over the last 2,000 years. I'll give you that. But there's one thing that remains the same. You don't leave an encounter with Jesus the same. Is there anyone else that's with me today? That he changes our lives. And it's all because of the fact that he rose from the dead. And so today we're going to take a look and introduce you to these three individuals in the Bible. And the reason why I want to introduce you to them, because I believe that many of you are in the places that some of them were at one point in time. And that today, their story might be a little bit more like your story than you've ever thought before. And today, if you're in one of those places, you need to know that you could take hope in the fact that if you put your eyes on Jesus, the risen one, that he can change everything. So let's take a look at these three individuals, and we're going to look together in John's Gospel, chapter 20. We'll be in John chapter 20 today. And while you're turning there, I want to catch you up on the story up until this point in time. Jesus, he lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin. He healed the sick. He even rose the dead to life. But at the end of his life, at the end of his 33 years on this earth, in the three years of his earthly ministry, he was crucified on a cross. And there were many people that followed him. And there were few that were as close to him as Mary Magdalene. Mary was there when Jesus healed and when he taught. Mary was there when Jesus walked among the crowds. And Mary was there as Jesus was beaten and as he was spit upon. She was there as he was whipped. She was there as he was nailed to a criminal's cross. She was there as he bled and as he cried out to God. She was there as Mary, his mother, wept at the foot of the cross and she consoled her. Mary was there till the very end. She was the last one at the cross. And when they took Jesus' body off the cross and they put him in that borrowed tomb, all of her hopes all of her dreams, all of her desire, all of her faith and trust in the one that she had been following, it was all buried right there with Jesus, the teacher who had died, an unthinkable death. I'm going to call Mary this morning the devastated one. Mary was the devastated one. On that first Easter Sunday, she showed up at a tomb and fully expected to see her dead teacher who she loved. Let's look together in the first verses of John chapter 20. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. 
while it was still dark and saw that the stone had already been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord out of the tomb and I don't know where they have laid him. When she saw that the stone was rolled away, a stone that weighed over a ton, a stone that had been placed there and no one had the authority to remove it. When she saw that it was rolled away, the only thing that she could reason in her heart and in her mind was that someone must have opened the tomb and taken Jesus' body somewhere. And she felt like they've already done enough when they crucified him. Are they going to really do this? Are they going to really take him away somewhere? She was completely devastated. Not only had he died, not only were all of her hopes found in that tomb, buried with her teacher, but now when she came on that early Sunday morning to continue to mourn his death, to bring spices, to anoint his body. That would be the equivalent of us bringing flowers to a grave today. She couldn't even find his body. The reason why I call her the devastated one and the reason why I want to introduce you to Mary this morning is because I believe that there's some here that you'd say today, this Easter, I'm the devastated one. I'm the one who has been faced with circumstances that I don't know I'm ever going to get out of. This Easter... I'm not filled with joy or hope or anything anymore because the news that I've received, the storm that I'm walking through, the things that I'm facing, they're overcoming me. I can't find any hope. I can't find any light out of this darkness. I'm the devastated one. Perhaps this Easter, you've received a diagnosis that you don't know what to do with. And every doctor has told you there's nothing more that they can do. Perhaps this Easter, you've received news and you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from and you're scraping to get by and your family's looking to you for direction and support and you don't know what to tell them. You're putting on a brave face on the outside, but in the inside, you're caving in. You don't know what to do. You're the devastated one. Perhaps this Easter, you're celebrating it and trying to be happy with family, but it's the first time that you're with the, without the one that you love, without your spouse or your loved one. This is the first Easter that you have to spend with them no longer with you. Perhaps they passed away. And this Easter is especially difficult. You are the devastated one. Perhaps you're walking through a divorce or some kind of turmoil. And this Easter, you find yourself devastated and without hope. Empty on the inside. Mary came with all of her emptiness to a tomb and found that it was empty. And I want you to know something today. That tomb was empty so that Mary's life could be filled again. And that tomb is empty today so that your life can be filled again. Jesus rose from the dead. He emptied the grave. He defeated death so that today you could have a living hope. So that you can have a hope beyond anything that you face in this world. Jesus promised, he said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In your darkest season, in your most difficult circumstance, make sure that you lift your eyes to an empty tomb and to a risen Jesus. Because when you see him, it changes everything. Look with me as we continue on in John chapter 20. Let's go to verse 11. It says this, that Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping and she wept. She stooped in and she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels 
in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. And he said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be just a gardener, she said, Sir, if you're the one that's carried him away, tell me where you've laid him that I may take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. He called her name. And when she turned, she said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. She cried out. In that moment, she saw him. Here's what you need to know today. If you're the devastated one, you need to lift your eyes no further than an empty tomb. Because when you do that and you look, Jesus is waiting there for you and he knows your name and he knows your hurt and he knows your pain and he knows your circumstance and he's calling out to you to give you a living hope and a future. Today, there is nothing that you can carry that Jesus has not overcome by his resurrection from the grave. If you're struggling through the death of a loved one, if you're struggling through the loss that's right there, here's what you need to know. Jesus died and he rose again so that we could have a hope in eternity so that death is not our final resting place, but that he can go and prepare a place for us. Today, your heart doesn't need to be troubled because we have a God who is our provider, who is our comforter, who is our strength. And today, you need to lift your eyes no further than the empty tomb and the risen one to find hope again instead of devastation. As we continue forward in the story, we see that Mary runs and she runs back to the disciples and she tells them, you'll never guess who I saw. I saw Jesus. And the disciples are wondering, could this be? And as they're talking and as they're in this place of hiding, Jesus appears in their midst. And they see Jesus risen. And you don't see the risen Jesus and not leave changed. It changed everything. All their hope was back. Everything had changed. They didn't know what to do in that moment. But there's one disciple, the Bible says, and he's not there. And his name is Thomas. And I want to introduce you to Thomas this morning. And Thomas, we're going to say, he's the doubting one. The Bible continues to go on. And it says in verse 24, that but Thomas, who was one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. We've seen him. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprint of nails and put my finger into the place of those nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Thomas gets a very bad rap by many doubting Thomas but I could relate to Thomas a lot because that's my story I doubted God completely with my life I heard the stories I even went to a few church services I I like maybe some here that this is like one of the only times you find yourself in church I was right where you are doubting God completely just going through the motions not really believing any of the story not really believing that there was a God out there that loved me not really believing that Jesus came and died for my sins and rose again. I didn't even understand that. 
I didn't even understand the significance of Easter. I doubted completely. But I'm so glad that in my doubt, the Lord didn't stop pursuing me. And I'm thankful that in my doubt, I still had a friend that cared about me and loved me enough to extend me an invitation to come to a church camp with him. And at that church camp, I came full of doubt, full of saying, you know what, if I could see it, if I could understand, I remember even saying a prayer, a, a flippant prayer that I, as I was in a desperate place, and I said, I can't believe I'm going to this camp, but I, I remember looking up and saying, God, if you're out there and you're real, just reveal yourself to me. And if you did that, I'll, I'll follow you all my life. I had no idea what I was saying in that moment. Because within just a few short days, I'm sitting at that camp, again, full of doubt, arms crossed, but as the pastor started talking and sharing about Jesus and about his love and about the fact that God loved me so much that he sent his only son to die for me, for the first time, I heard clearly the gospel, which means good news. And the good news was this, that although my life was filled with sin and shame and remorse, and although my mind was filled with doubt and I didn't believe at all, that I had a God that loved me so much he never gave up. And he sent his son to die. And Jesus died on a cross and he rose on the third day, on Easter Sunday, so that I could have a brand new life. And as he shared and as he talked, something in my heart caught on fire. Something burned deep within me. It resonated through me and I realized in that moment my heart wasn't right with God. I realized in that moment that God was revealing himself to me, that Jesus himself was revealing himself to me and in that moment I did what I never thought I would do I stood up in a service and I said today's the day that I'm putting my hope and my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior and friends let me tell you it is the greatest decision I've ever made in my life Jesus changed everything he took someone like me who I never thought I had a hope or a future who was filled with doubt and he used me, and he walked with me, and he changed me, and I'm a different person today than I was then. It's because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has the power to take a doubter, turn him into a believer. Look what happens after eight days. It says in John chapter 20, verse 26, that after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Let me tell you something. If you're standing in a room and Jesus comes walking through the wall, he needs to say, peace be with you, because I'd be freaking out, right? He's walked through the wall? Can you imagine Thomas right now? The doubter, watching Jesus walk through a wall to come to him. It's amazing the lengths that God will go to. I'm telling you to overcome your doubt today. And he said to Thomas, reach right here, your finger, and see my hands, and reach your hand and put it into my side. He did that, and Thomas felt with his own hands. He felt with his own fingers. He said, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Here's what you need to know. Jesus knew exactly what Thomas needed in that moment. Jesus knew exactly what I needed in that moment to put my faith in him and he knows exactly what you need in this moment so that you'll put all your faith and your trust in him and I'm believing even now as I'm speaking 
that I'm not trying to manipulate you or convince you in any way because I believe that Jesus is here, he's in our midst, and his spirit is speaking right to your heart. And he's going to overcome that doubt. And today is going to be the day that you're going to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ for the first time. It changes you. It changes you. It fills you with a passion and with a zeal. And I stood up that day, and here's what I said, the same thing. The same thing that Thomas said. Look at the next verse. He said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. He put his faith in Jesus. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet they still have believed in me. I'm one of those people. Many of you today, you're one of them. Thomas went on to go out and to become a pastor and to lead in churches. He brought the gospel to India, and he went there in India, and at one point in time, they wanted to put him to death, and they wanted to torture him, and they said, give up on Jesus. And you know what he said? I can never do that. I knew what it was like to doubt. I can't turn from him because I've witnessed it with my own eyes. I felt his side with my own hands. Thomas died being impaled by a stake through his body because he would not give up on Jesus because he had seen him and he could not doubt him in that moment because he'd experienced Jesus changes everything about you. We have the devastated one, Mary. We have the doubter, the doubting one, Thomas. The final person I want to introduce you to is Peter. And Peter is the denying one. The denying one. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is speaking to the disciples before he dies on the cross and he begins to share with them. And he said to them, you're all going to end up falling away because of me. You're all going to fall away eventually. You're all going to give up. You're all going to turn away from me. And Peter, don't you know, he says to them, not me, Lord. Not me. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm never going to deny you. Jesus then goes further to say to him, you're going to deny me. In fact, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. You know what Peter does in that moment? He ups the ante a little further. And he says to him in that moment, he says, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And it says all the disciples agreed and said the same thing too. Peter had been following Jesus for three years up until this point. Jesus met him in a very dramatic way. Luke chapter 5 talks about this story, about how they were fishing all night. And the only thing they caught was maybe a cold because there were no fish in the nets. I want to tell you, that's my kind of fishing. I'm no good at all. I can relate to Peter as well. But that isn't my job. It's his job, and he wasn't catching anything. But this man Jesus shows up, and he steps into his boat. And in that day, it changes his life. He says, why don't you cast it over on the right side? And he's like, look, you teach, I'll fish, please. He said, but because you've asked, I'm going to do it. He does it. That day, he catches more fish than he's ever caught. His boats begin to sink because of what happened. And yet, instead of chasing after that fortune, he found something even more valuable in the calling of Jesus. Say, come and let me make you a fisher of men. And he followed him for three years. He followed him close by. He went with him everywhere that he went. He saw the miracles. And he believed, he truly believed, I'll never deny him. Let me ask you a question. 
Have you ever said this before? And I want to see your hands in a moment. God, I'll never do that again. And then you did it again. Right? Come on, let me see your hands. Come on, God sees you. He knows. He knows. You may not want to acknowledge it. We think, we believe in our hearts that we will do what is right. But when push came to shove and when the pressure is on, and on that night, Jesus is betrayed and he's standing there and he's being whipped and beaten in a courtyard. And in Matthew chapter 26, it tells the story about how he's being beaten in the courtyard. And as he's there, and as Mary's watching in the distance, and as many of the other disciples have scattered and abandoned him, Peter's standing at the edge of the courtyard. And as he's there, they begin to ask him a question. One of the servant girls comes and says, hey, aren't you the guy with Jesus? Aren't you one of his followers? And he said, no, I don't even know the guy. A little time goes on. Another servant comes, hey, you, 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 you look like you're one of his followers. You're, you're with him, aren't you? are with Jesus. No, I tell you the truth. I'm not with Jesus. And then the Bible says he swore on an oath. That'd be the equivalent of you putting your hand on the Bible in a courtroom. He said, no, I'm not with him. I swear I don't even know him. And then the third time, people are talking. And they're like, this guy looks like one of the Galileans. We can hear from his accent. He's definitely one of his followers. And this time, the Bible says he began to swear. Not this kind of swearing. The bad kind of swearing. And he said, curses come on me. I'm telling you the truth. I don't even know him. And in that moment, while he's still talking, a rooster crows. If you go over to Luke's gospel, it's powerful what, what it says happens. Because we don't realize that Jesus is in the very courtyard that Peter's doing this in. He's standing right outside. As Jesus is being tortured, he's denying him right there. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22 that as, as Jesus is there being beaten, and as Peter denies him for the third time, and as the rooster crows, the Bible says this in verse 61, and Jesus looked at Peter. He turned and looked. Could you imagine seeing the eyes of Jesus in the middle of your greatest failure? And to see the brokenness, not just in his body, but in his heart, because you did exactly what you said you wouldn't do. You denied him. You turned from him. You failed him. Peter, in Jesus' darkest hour, when, when others would stand by him like Mary, he fled. He denied him. He did the very thing he believed he would never do. And there he stood as a failure. I don't know if you've ever walked through a time where you've come face to face with your greatest failure. And in that moment, you haven't just broken the heart of the people you love, you've broken God's heart. You've become the denying one. You've turned away from God. You've turned your heart. You've turned your back to Him. You've run far from Him. Maybe at one point you knew Him. Maybe you've never known Him, but you're far from God today. You've denied Him in your heart. The Bible says in Titus that you could say, with your words, and you could believe that you claim to know God, Titus 1.16, but by their actions, they deny him. When you look at the actions of your life, are you denying Jesus through them? Are you not living for him? Are you not walking with him? Are you living to satisfy yourself? Are you far from God today? Peter was there, the denying one. And then, we get to this point in time in John chapter 21 where Peter's there and he's among the people and he's there in Galilee. He's standing by a large body of water and he says these words and they just shot through me when I read it. He said, I'm going fishing. 
I'm going fishing. Have you ever wanted to just give up and go back to whatever it is was your old life was all about? Have you ever just wanted to run back? He stood there and he said, you know what, I'm just going fishing. And he got into a boat and he went back to his life before he had, had met Jesus. And there he is fishing. And guess what? The same outcome is happening. He's not catching anything. Aren't you thankful that no matter where you've gone today, whether you've returned to a place you never thought you'd be again, whether you've run far from God, that Jesus still shows up right there on the shoreline and he calls out to you even in this moment? He said, have you caught anything? How's it going on your own right there? Have you found anything? Found nothing. And I'm going to tell you, if you're searching outside of Jesus, you're not going to find anything. Your life's going to be as empty as the tomb. And he calls out and Jesus said, why don't you cast it over the right side? Does this sound familiar to anyone? He said, why don't you cast it over the right side? Peter does it. He casts it over thinking, this sounds familiar. In an instant, it's filled with fish. More than they could handle. Over 150. They, can't, they haven't even gotten all the fish into the boat yet. And John, the disciple Jesus loved, cries out and said, it's the Lord. And Peter, in that moment, jumps out of the boat. He runs to Jesus. And he sits down to have a meal with him. Now I'm thinking, this has to be the most awkward breakfast in the history of humanity. That he's sitting there in front of Jesus, whom he denied in his darkest hour. And as he's there, he's sitting over breakfast, coming face to face with all that he had done. And it said, when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to him, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, I love you. You know that I love you. And he said to him, tend to my lambs. And then the Lord goes on, he asks him again, a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, you know that I love you. And he said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Now I believe Jesus said it three times for a few reasons. One is the amount of times that Peter had denied him. And he's reinstating him each time. He's saying there's nothing that you can do that I can't forgive you of and redeem your life of. There's nothing you can do that I can't restore. He takes broken things and broken people and he brings out beautiful things out of it. It's a power of saving you right where you're at. But I also think that Jesus needed to say it three times, not so that Jesus would believe it, so that Peter would believe it. Jesus finally tells him, come and follow me. Come and follow me, even though your life isn't maybe going to go the way you'd ever planned. You're going to end up like me one day. That's what the Bible says. You're going to end up like me. And he did. He was crucified. He died. But he said, come and follow me. In that day when Peter met the risen one, his life was changed forever. He was filled with boldness. He didn't go on to ever deny Jesus again, even when faced with death. Because you don't meet the risen one and leave the same. Today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been walking or what you've been going through, but here's what I do know. Because he rose from the dead and we have a risen Savior today, your devastation can be replaced with hope. 
I know that today because Jesus rose from the dead and we have a risen one that we can come and see that your doubt can be replaced with belief. And I know today that because Jesus rose from the dead, although you've denied him access to your life, that he will never deny you access to the Father. And today there's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Your life will be changed forever. Would you bow your heads and bow your hearts with me this morning? I don't know where you are and I don't know what you've been walking through. But I don't need to convince you if you're not at peace with God in this moment. I don't need to convince you if your heart is far from God. Maybe you're the devastated one. And maybe that devastation has led to doubt. And today you don't even know where you stand with God. You've doubted him. But as you've heard, something come, is coming alive in your heart again. And you're saying, today's the day I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus. I'm ready to go from doubt to belief and trusting in him. Maybe today you're the denier. You've walked far from God. You've run away from him. And today's the day that you come face to face with the risen one again. And he invites you back in to that loving embrace, that amazing forgiveness, a life-changing moment is right in front of you. I don't need to convince you. If you're not at peace with God, you know that deep in the depths of your heart. We're not promised another moment in this world. And no matter what, in the same way that Peter stood face to face with Jesus, every one of us will stand face to face with God as we end this life and we will have to give an account. Did we deny him? Because he said clearly, if you deny me in front of men, I'll deny you in front of my father. But if you confess me in front of men, then I'll confess you in front of my Father in heaven. When you stand face to face with God on that day, do you know that you're at peace? Do you know that you know that your home will be in heaven? There's only one way. Jesus said it. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means today is the day for you to put your faith in Jesus. Today's the day for you to turn away from wherever you've been running and come back home to Jesus. So today, if you're far from God and you know that you've been running, maybe you used to walk with him or used to believe in him and you're far from him at this hour, today's the day to return home. Maybe today is the day that you never have put your faith in Jesus, but you're ready to in this moment. I want you to pray with me in just a moment. We're going to say a prayer and I want you to say it from the bottom of your heart if I've described you this morning. Bible said again, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he is the risen one, that you will be saved. Say these words with me from the bottom of your heart. Let's all of us say it together. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. I ask you to come now and lead my life. Where you go, I will follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to now get ready to take another step. And the step is this. Today, if you're far from God and you knew that, but you said this prayer and you said, today's the day that I've come home. I've fallen away, but I'm back. I've denied, but I'm standing with him again. I've returned home. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. 
Today's the day for the first time you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you say, today's the day that I'm putting my faith, my belief in Jesus. Then in a moment, I want you to stand to your feet. Why do I ask you to do that? Because I believe that defining moments call for decisive action. And there's something that solidifies inside of your life when you're willing to stand up and say, today's the day that I made that decision. Easter Sunday, 2016, was the day that I met the risen Jesus and it changed my life. Let today be that day for you. You say, what will people think of me? Don't worry about what people think of you. You're not going to be standing with anyone else when you stand before God. And let me tell you this, there's a lot of people that stood right where you're about to stand. And when you stand, they're going to break out in applause. They're going to break out in cheers. You know why? Because we're so proud of the decision you're making to put Jesus first in your life. So don't be ashamed any longer. Don't stand in fear and don't let anything get in the way of this decision. Are you ready? Right now, if you hear my voice and today's the day that you've come back to Jesus or accepted Jesus, stand to your feet right now, right where you're at. Come on, let's stand to your feet and let's welcome them the family of God. If that's you, stand right to your feet. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. If that's you, stand to your feet. Up in the balcony, in the overflow, right where you're at. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, church. That's you. If I'm describing you today, if you said that prayer today, stand right to your feet. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. If you're watching online, stand to your feet right now in God's presence. Welcome to the family of God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 We thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And as you've stood, there's someone that's going to come to you right now in this moment. They're going to give you a book. And I want to tell you, there's some next steps for you to take. And the greatest next step you could take is to be baptized in just a few short weeks. Baptism is the perfect picture of what Jesus has done for us. And it's our public declaration when you go down into the waters of baptism, you're being buried with Jesus. And when you come out of the water, you're raised up to that new life. It's your public declaration of what he's done. We want to celebrate that with you. We can't wait for you to be a part of it. Church, can we all stand together? Can we praise God for what he's done? We're going to sing. We're going to praise God. Happy Easter to you, Lord Jesus. We praise the one who paid our debt and who raised this life up from the dead. And Lord, we pray now that you go with us in the power of your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and happy Easter. Feel free to sing along, come forward for prayer, or we'll see you next Sunday morning. God bless.